0: Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center at EIU. I'm Kim Irvin, the instructional designer and your host today. This podcast series is to further promote teaching excellence through the sharing of information related to instructional design, teaching strategies, and innovation. In this episode, we'll focus on information related to innovation at EIU as I visit with Trevor Burrows, Digital Initiatives Coordinator for the Center for Student Innovation, CSI for short, and discuss what the CSI is, its physical space, available technology, and upcoming events offered this semester. Hi Trevor, thanks for joining us today. Hi Kim, thanks for having me. So we are in a very exciting space where I record all of these podcasts. We are in the podcasting room of the CSI and I'm sitting down with Trevor Burroughs, who is the Digital Initiatives Coordinator for the CSI, which is located in Booth Library. And we're here today just to visit about the CSI, the fun, creative things that are happening here at the CSI this semester. But I want to start off because I know there's probably some listeners out there that have not heard of the CSI. So can we start by having you tell us what is the CSI? What's it stand for? What's its purpose and goal? Sure.
1: So the CSI is the Center for Student Innovation. And if you haven't been here yet, you should come and check it out. It's on the first floor of the Booth Library. So if you head into the library, just go straight to the center stairwell, go right down and you'll walk right into it as you come off of the first flight of stairs. Um, And it's an exciting space that, it's really a multi-purpose space that serves a number of um, uses for students and faculty and staff on campus. So we are hoping to be a space that can help to transform teaching and learning and research across campus, um, primarily by, uh, through a couple of means. On the one hand, we provide a, a large space for active learning and uh, active uh, or more engaged forms of pedagogy, Uh, a large space that can also be used for different types of collaboration, again, both for students and faculty, um, project-based learning opportunities, uh, really a space that can be used in any number of ways. And then within that space, we have different types of technologies and hopefully educational opportunities around uh, digital technologies, um, different ways of using data in teaching and research, All sorts of intersections of technology, learning, and research um, that we hopefully hope to facilitate here in this space.
0: To help visualize and paint that picture for our listener, they walk into this space, what kind of equipment do they experience in the space?
1: Yeah, so when you first walk in, we have a beautiful mural that was done uh, actually by EIU students uh, that you'll see just as you walk into the space. And then on the right hand you'll see uh, a few pieces of technology, a few pieces of equipment, like the 3D uh, printers that are really visible, uh, 3D scanner that can be used to make 3D models of smaller items um, uh, that can be uh, created and then, and then uh, transformed so that you can then duplicate or print that as a 3D item right here in the, in the space. Uh, You'll see a a Cricut machine, um, which can be used for all sorts of um, artistic designs and cutouts. And then you'll see different rooms, like the room we're in now, which is the podcasting studio, which has some audio and visual equipment that's useful for podcasting and other features. And then a virtual reality room, where we have some technology that's focused on um, different applications of VR, both for fun and for learning. (laughs)
0: Um, tables and desks are all movable. They're on wheels. So a multitude of arrangements.
1: Yeah. And and that's a great point. So on the right hand side, when you walk in, you've got a lot of the equipment, things that you might affiliate with um, the notion of a maker space in a library. Um, But on the other hand, we have this large active learning space and that's where, yes, the desks are movable. Um, We've got a a number of whiteboards. We have a digital whiteboard, the Google Jamboard. So lots of different things to help uh, facilitate active learning, more engaged forms of learning. um, And that really allows students or whoever's using the space to interact with each other and move around the room uh, uh, without worrying about causing too much noise or anything of that sort.
0: Yeah, I have to laugh at myself because uh, the the whiteboard family kept growing every time I would visit the CSI. The first one I noticed was the the ones on wheels. Then I learned about the Jamboard kiosk, Mm -hmm. which is for a digital whiteboard that you may create in the Google um, application Jamboard. Yep. And then I noticed the ones that were affixed to the wall. So it was a process for me to, to, to be introduced to all of the family members. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: apparently there's one more that you are you need to be introduced to on some of the desks. Hanging down from the front of some of the desks, there are some additional whiteboards that can be easily picked up by whoever's sitting there and, and used and then... Uh, hung hung away or put away again. So uh, yeah, lots of whiteboards that are most of which are movable and usable in lots of ways.
0: Yeah, great, great catch on that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about the the uh, mobile, like the handheld. That's what I'm looking yes, for. Yes, the handheld, handheld whiteboards. whiteboards. Right. So and when we've talked about the physical space which as Trevor shared, if you haven't been here, you really need to see the space. The other part of this, though, and he touched on it a little bit with the technology equipment that's available within the space, but there's another component to the CSI, which is technology that can be checked out. It can yes. be checked out for the student to use away from Booth Library, but then also technology that's available to take into the CSI and use. Can you describe for us the type of technology that is available for checkout?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the most popular programs that we have through the CSI right now is the technology checkout program, which, as you said, allows students um, to take things like laptops, um, MiFi hotspot units, so mobile hotspots for um, for Internet access, uh, webcams, uh, microphones and speakers, uh, different types of digital cameras, all sorts of technology that can be checked out uh, and taken home or elsewhere on campus. You have it for a certain amount of time, and then as long as you bring it back within that time, you're just fine to, to check out more, opportu- more, more items again. And most of those items are checked out for a few days at a time. The laptop computers, which are um, some nice Dell computers. We also have some uh, Surface laptops, uh, Surface Book laptops. Those you can check out for two weeks at a time. So students um, have a little bit more opportunity to use those if they have a specific project that might benefit from the laptops or if they've... They've hit a, a a patch where their computer is out of order for a few weeks. That serves as a nice buffer for them or a way to get a project done for class um, without having to worry about oh, how, how am I going how am I going to find a computer on short notice?
0: And a service that's so helpful to the students. Um, talking about the length of checkout, let's circle back and Let's say a student or a faculty member wants to come and check out some equipment. What are the hours of the de- the desk where they can come and check this this technology out?
1: Good question. Um, uh, so Monday through Thursday, we're open from twelve to nine p.m. On Fridays, we're open to twelve to from twelve to four forty five, and on Sunday, we're open from two to nine p.m. Now, as far as using the space itself, we're often able to facilitate reservations beyond that. So we have um, uh, faculty members from across campus that already use the space, say at nine o'clock in the morning, even though we might not normally be open during that time, and and that's fine. You can make a reservation online, and we'll help to make sure that that's facilitated or accessible to you.
0: And they make that webs- They make. I'm sorry. They make that reservation online on the CSI website, mm-hmm. which is eiu.edu Booth slash CSI.
1: You remembered it better than I would. If I had tried to do that, I think I would have screwed it up. Uh, But the easy way to to go about it, too, if if you're not into long URLs, is you can just head to the library website. And there's a pretty prominent link uh, on the first page of the library website that will take you to the CSI page. And yeah, you can make a reservation. It's right under uh, the heading that says Use the CSI. There is a reservations link there. And you can also email me, um, uh, Trevor Burroughs. So it's dtburroughs at eiu.edu, dtburroughs. Or you can also email Michael Gillespie. And and in particular, if you're a faculty member that's looking to use the space, um, uh, either one of us can help answer questions, make sure that things are set up in a certain way for you. Uh, We're happy to to work with you directly to make that happen.
0: And I just want to add in there, too. I, I introduced you as the Digital Initiatives Coordinator for the CSI, but you wear another hat. I at do. EIU.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm not sure uh, how, how, to, how to balance it all quite yet. But yes, I, I also teach um, classes for the history department. I'm a faculty member there.
0: Sure, and I just wanted to um, bring that to our listeners' attention. If they are reaching out to you, that this is not your only job here at EIU. You are also an instructor. So
1: it's true, and and in some ways, it, it's as much as much work as that is to to sort of balance the two. It's also really convenient because it means that I have opportunities to try and use this space and use the equipment as an instructor, uh, and so sort to of better learn it and better learn how we can. Uh, help support faculty and students across campus with the space.
0: Yeah, so we've reviewed the physical space. We've reviewed the technology that's available in it. Um, Something I think that's new is events.
1: Yes, yeah, we have some really exciting events coming up. Um, In particular, we've just uh, started publicizing our digital sandbox uh, workshop series, which we're really excited about.
0: Yeah, let's go into a little more detail about what that's going to entail. It's going to be offered this fall, and it looks like there's maybe five?
1: Yeah, I think we've we've settled on, uh, yep, five sessions for this fall. Yeah. Um, and they're uh, intentionally right now kind of on different days and times. So it's not a, it's not, you can't say it's always say the first Friday of the month or something like that. And that's to make sure that there are lots of opportunities for um, students and, and staff and faculty who may have fairly regimented schedules to to have an opportunity to at least get to one or two if if they want.
0: What format will they be offered in?
1: Um, Right now, they're primarily going to be offered uh, as workshops in the CSI space. Um, uh, I'm working on figuring out which of them we might record and also offer online. Uh, All of these are currently... um, they're presented as hands-on workshops, so you bring your laptop, or we'll have some, some laptops that you can also use here. But they're hands-on; we'll literally be walking through um, how to use different types of software. You'll have the opportunity usually to to tinker with a, a method or a type of software in the workshop, and that's often a little easier to do live with the with the presenter right there. But we'll probably be streaming some of them as well. We just need to work that out.
0: Okay. Let's give our listeners just a little bit of a preview of what these um, programs will entail within this series. The first one is offered Thursday, September 29th from 3.45 to 5 p.m. And it's entitled Introduction to Text Analysis with Voyant Tools. Yeah. So if I'm a kindergartner, how are you going to describe to me what that's about?
1: That's a great, great question. Uh, so just to back up for one moment, what I should have led with is the Digital Sandbox Series. Part of the idea is to really allow people um, uh, a welcoming space where you can just play with a new tool and a new skill that uh, maybe you're interested in for your research, you've maybe heard a little bit about, but you haven't known how to get started or even what is quite entailed. This is a safe space, a welcoming space where you can learn a new uh, skill, try out a new piece of software. And most of these are related to what we would think of as digital scholarship skills or digital humanities related topics topics that sort of sit at the intersection of technology and um, research or technology and learning. So uh, the first workshop, Introduction to Text Analysis with Voyant Tools, is an introduction to text mining or text analysis, um, really thinking about text as data. Um, We have, especially over the last 10 to 15 years, um, come a long way in uh, making use of text as data accessible beyond a really specialized knowledge set. I'm sorry, a specialized knowledge set. So the easiest way to think of this is with an example. If uh, I want to calculate, tabulate every word that exists in the Shakespeare canon, right? Um, If I want to know how many times the word love appears or how many times the word death appears. Of course, now we have concordances and things like that that might help with that. But also with something like uh, Voyant Tools, which is the software we'll learn For this workshop um, with a few clicks of a button you can actually tabulate that and get all sorts of other insights about the types of language that are used the types of words that are used and start to use that as a way to think about shakespeare's canon maybe a little differently or apply that to your research in different ways so we'll learn how to use voyant tools to do things like calculate word frequencies with uh, across a large uh, body of text build yourself a mini concordance so you can see right where a word occurs and what context it occurs in, and other fun things like that.
0: And I might mention, too, that these Voyant tools are free. So once someone attends this program, they will be able to access the application.
1: Yes, Voyant tools is one of the reasons we're teaching it is it's a free web-based piece of software that you don't even have to install locally on your computer. Um, You can just pull it up on the web and uh, upload documents. And as long as you do it in the right way, you can get some interesting results.
0: Sounds very interesting. And I liked what it said on the CSI website about these programs. They're they're really based for people that know nothing about, about these tools. Yes. And that's me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's many of us. And, and part of the idea is uh, it's often hard to know where to start. Uh, you hear something about, what is text mining? I kind of have an idea, but I don't know what it is. Um, These are really uh, entry-level introductions at the basic level. Um, You don't have to know anything before you arrive, and you might leave and say, ah, that wasn't for me, but you learned something in the process, you tried something out, um, and that's really the goal.
0: Great. So the second one is Wednesday, October second, from three forty-five to five, and it's entitled "Instruction." I'm sorry, "Introduction to Data Wrangling with OpenRefine," which I assume OpenRefine is another free application.
1: Yeah, OpenRefine is a um, a really interesting application and. Uh, If you work with any sort of tabulated data or any sort of data on a regular basis, um, OpenRefine is a great tool to get to know. Um, It does things that you often do in Excel, like splitting. Maybe you have different types of data, but they're merged in a single column. Maybe you need to take data that's sort of presented in a horizontal fashion and sort of flip it uh, so that you can use it in different ways. OpenRefine allows you to really easily work with different types of data, transform it into different shapes, change the way certain variables are presented, all to make it easier to work with in any given application. That was a terrible description, but here's what you need to know, is when you start to use OpenRefine, it can begin to feel like magic. A lot of things that we have to jump through hoops to do in something like Excel are just a few clicks in OpenRefine. If you use open, if you use Excel regularly, come learn about OpenRefine and, and you'll have a good time.
0: Very useful for Excel users. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right, that one was on uh, Wednesday, October 12th. Next one is Friday, October 28th from 1 to 2.25. Maybe I have the time incorrect there. Uh, Maybe it's 2.15.
1: Probably 2.15, but that's okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Introduction to data visualization with Data Wrapper.
1: Yeah, so there are all sorts of interesting free tools for data visualization now or tools that have maybe uh, different low barriers to entry as far as cost. So you can use it for free up to a point, but then you might have to pay. A Data Wrapper is one of these that you can actually get quite a bit of use out for free. You don't need to pay for a license unless you're doing a lot of work with it. Um, and data wrapper is maybe folks might be familiar with tableau another popular Mm -hmm. data visualization tool sort of a free um, version of that very intuitive you can upload your own data and pretty quickly create some simple charts sometimes even fairly complex charts without having to do a whole lot of customizing or or, uh, extra work along the way it's Mm -hmm. fairly intuitive to use and so We'll take a moment to learn about um, data visualization more broadly, but explore uh, data vi- visualization using this particular tool.
0: Yeah, data visualization is so important in our society. Whereas we want everything quick, and you know, just want a s- screenshot or you know, just an image of Absolutely. the message that you're trying to convey. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and for our students who are um, uh, currently learning transferable skills that will easily help them. Maneuver into certain careers, just even understanding data visualization at a basic level can be a real uh, boost to someone's resume or CV going out into the world.
0: Oh, good to know. Two more programs in this series to talk about. Um, The next one is Thursday, November 10th. It's a lunchtime session. It's actually called Brown Bag Using Social Media Data in Your Research.
1: Yeah, so this is the one uh, workshop that won't quite be a workshop, it won't be as hands on. Um, It'll be a little bit more of a presentation, but one of the questions that I've gotten in the past quite a bit um, in working with students and faculty is, well, I might be interested in using social media data like Twitter data or Reddit data, but I don't know what's accessible. I don't know what's out there, how to get it or how I start to use it Um, in my research. What can I do? And if you go and look at websites, it can quickly be overwhelming. There's a lot of information out there. So this will be a streamlined presentation of the real basics of how do you get social media data? What type of data is available for some of these different platforms? And how might you start to use it? And what types of additional considerations should you, should you think about along the way? Ethical considerations, legal considerations, mm-hmm. uh, some of that.
0: Very informative, yeah. The last one to wrap up this series is Monday, November 30th from 10 to 1115. And it's entitled Introduction to Visualizing Timelines with TimelineJS.
1: Yeah. So this is um, uh, an introduction in some ways really to uh, visual storytelling. But one of the the key skills that's important to develop in, in visual storytelling is how do you show how things change over time? Um, how do you illustrate relationships between uh, different uh, concepts or people or places um, and, and, and change over time in that regard? So uh, there are all sorts of s- pieces of software out there that will help you build timelines, interactive timelines that will fairly easily allow you to upload your own images, your own names, your own dates, um, and quickly turn in something that could be useful for an assignment, could be useful for a faculty presentation at a conference, all sorts of uh, potential uses. So we'll learn a little bit about uh, both TimelineJS and some other um, pieces of software that are out there that do similar things.
0: Personally, I'm excited to expand my knowledge. I'm going to register for each of these awesome. programs because um, for the most of them, today's the first day that I've heard of some of these applications. There so I'll be honest,
1: yes. Yeah, and that's great. And that's exactly what we're hoping to do. And and for some of them, for faculty members who are um, uh, in certain fields, there these may very well be topics that they've heard about a little bit, but there's really not been a good way to test the waters, so to speak, and get to know them. So yeah. the idea is to just create a, a welcoming space uh, where you can ask questions, where you can even fail a little bit, and that's perfectly okay. We'll be learning together.
0: Yeah, and with our listeners, if any one of these topics kind of um, piqued your interest, I'm sure you'd be open to uh, talking with folks before the, the program if they'd like to reach out to you just to get a little bit more information about the what, what the workshop will uh, will do. Um, how do listeners register for these sessions.
1: Yeah, if they go to the CSI website under the um, events, oh, I can't remember the exact heading we used. I think it's the events heading. You're correct. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a spot there for um, specifically the digital sandbox workshops, and you can register on that page. Uh, I believe we also have, if, if you're familiar with, it's the same portal that you register for the FDIC events. If you were to go on and look at the FDIC events, you'd see some of these workshops listed there as well.
0: Okay. Very good. And um, at the beginning, you were not quite sure yet if they're going to be recorded or not. So if, if any of these pique your interest at all, best thing is to register. So you've got your name in. And then if they are recorded, you'll receive some information about um, that recording after, after. but not, not sure if they are going to be. so.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and hopefully we'll be able to record at least a few of them. Um, but space is, is limited. There is a cap. So you you would want to register um, fairly early if you know that there's one that you definitely want to
0: attend. Sure. And they'll be hosted here in the CSI.
1: In the CSI. Yep. And for most of them, you can bring your own laptop um, and, and we'll make sure to, to inform folks of, of what you need before you walk in the door, but we'll also have some tools here that you can use
0: too. Oh, what a great conversation about how the CSI started, what it is, what's going on. One final question, Trevor, if we sit down maybe six months from now, what are you working on? What that, what yeah. will be new like in the next six months or so?
1: Oh, we've got so much stuff that we're working on and, and in some ways we're just getting started in, into, in, in the process of making this space usable by students and faculty and staff. Um, across the board. Uh, So in six months, uh, there will be some really fun educational opportunities around. If you want to learn how to start 3D printing, um, you'll be able to to come and and go through a series of workshops that will guide you through the process of getting started and then experiment on your own once you've done that, once you've kind of gone through an onboarding process. You're free to tinker as much as you want and and print different files and, and learn along the way. Um, We'll have educational opportunities around things like the podcasting studio where we are now, how to use that equipment, how to get started uh, sort of quick and dirty, and maybe some more complicated or or more advanced skills as well. So lots of educational opportunities coming um, and lots of opportunities for community building around these tools and around digital scholarship in general.
0: Wonderful. Trevor, thank you so much for coming today.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, everyone, please, please, please come come visit the CSI. We'd love to see you.
0: I really enjoyed speaking with Trevor from the CSI. Just to recap, the event they are sponsoring this semester is the Digital Sandbox Workshop Series, which includes five hands-on opportunities to explore the technologies, Voyant Tools, OpenRefine, Data Wrapper, Using Social Media Data and Research, and TimelineJS. For more information about each session and to register, visit eiu.edu forward slash booth forward slash CSI. Then once on the website, choose events. Until next time, keep in mind the quote from Jim Knight, when teachers quit learning, so do students. Thank you for listening and continuing to learn.